Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. So good. Can we give it up for Jesus one more time? Come on. I want to do this real quick before we jump in. Uh, I don't know you. Uh, yeah, right there. Yeah. Uh, in worship, the Lord just was speaking to me. He just loves you a lot. He really does. He's like really for you. He's got some real strategic plans in the next couple of years for you. He's got his hand on your life. And you're going to have to press in in faith in a way that you never have before. Uh, but he'll lead you and guide you and take you on this journey. He's got you. He's got you. Um, uh, my man, Joseph. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but the Lord just spoke to me. He said, that kid's got an anointing on his life. You have an anointing that you may not even know or understand or totally comprehend, but God's got like crazy plans for the world through your life. And I know that right now you're like, I'm 16. I'm just a baller. I'm, you know, don't worry about any of that. Just trust the Lord. Just stay close to Jesus. If you stay close to him, he will lead and guide you and you will see the gifts that God put inside of you flourish and come out and bless the world. You are called to bring the kingdom of God to the earth through your life. Amen? Come on, give it up for Jesus. Isn't he good? Easter. When I was growing up, Easter was primarily about three things. First of all, Jesus, right? Uh, Second was, what were you going to wear on Easter Sunday, right? Okay, that was a big deal. Um, And then the meal. So uh, the other day, um, I was on uh, Instagram with my youngest son, Luke, uh, which I don't, he was going to be in service. So I think he's in the back now. Um, but we were scrolling through and he saw this picture, put up that picture. He saw this green suit and he was like, dad, I want that green suit for Easter. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's a Gucci suit. So we might have to save up for this. Okay. But don't be shocked if, like, 15 years from now, Luke Workmeister is on stage with a green suit, a Gucci suit, or a knockoff Gucci suit, preaching the word. But I love Easter. I love that. Man, I I love that we're about to eat some good food. Who's ready for some good food? In Jesus' name. Like, I'm already hungry, okay? I'm like, somebody put a roll in my mouth quick, okay? Because I'm going to pass out, right? But today, um, I want to talk about communion, and I want to talk about the Lord's Supper, Uh, because there's something so special about communion and and what Jesus does for us. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says this, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, 
and he gave thanks to God for it. He broke it into pieces and said, this is my body as given to, given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 26, for every time you eat the bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Okay, a couple of things that we need to understand about the Lord's Supper. The first thing is this. Jesus would have never asked us to do something that didn't release the power of the kingdom of God, okay? So when he asks us to do this, when he says, he doesn't you know, say, this is a good thought to do this, think about doing this. He says, what? Do this. He commands us to remember his body in all that he did on Calvary so that when we do this, we come into this intimate moment with Jesus. I love having a good meal with somebody. Amen? Okay. But there's something special when you sit down and you enjoy a meal with friends or family. It is an intimate moment where you find love and you find grace. You find uh, a moment of encouragement. This is the same thing that happens when we have this moment with Jesus when we take communion. We're having an intimate moment with him. The second thing is this. He wanted to remind us of what? The new covenant that there is a new covenant that he purchased for us. Romans chapter five, verse one says, therefore, since we've been justified, that is acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God, by what? By our faith, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and we enjoy the reconciliation of Jesus Christ through him. Verse two. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into his kindness and gives us perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth when we keep on celebrating our hope in him. This is the new covenant. The new covenant means this, that we get to come boldly to Jesus anytime we want. Come on, come on, somebody. Anytime we want, anytime we need, we get to come and receive his grace and his righteousness. Psalms chapter 23, verse five says this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You've anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love Follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house in the presence of the Lord. There is something so powerful about when you have this meal with Jesus because Psalms is prophesying about this moment that we would have with the Lord when we take communion, when we have the Lord's Supper. The word's telling us that he is going to prepare a table in the presence of the enemy. But here's the deal. The enemy is not allowed to be at the table. So the enemy has to watch as Jesus anoints you. What's the oil? The oil is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he anoints you with the Holy Spirit. He anoints you with encouragement. He 
pours out his love, he pours out his grace, and the devil can't be a part of it. And he has to watch everything that Jesus has done for you and as he leads you into victory. See, communion is so powerful when we understand all that Jesus has done for us. And so today I want to talk about the seven times that Jesus bled. And um, I know when I was growing up, they would talk about Jesus bleeding. I'm not a blood person. Anybody else not here a blood person, okay? Uh, I remember a few years ago, uh, me and Jess, we were doing some work at the church and she moved a a ladder and a hammer fell from the top and hit her in the head. And she was bleeding everywhere. Yeah, just come on. Can we have a moment for Jess real quick? Yeah. And she came to me and she's bleeding everywhere. And she goes, I think I got to go to the hospital. And I like fainted. I mean, I just like fainted, okay? No help at all, okay? I'm not, I'm not a blood person. But today I want to talk about Jesus and why he bled. Because we got to understand that every time he bled, it was for us to have victory in Jesus and for us to know him in a different way. Amen? Listen, look, look at me. There is no point of Easter. There is no point of church unless we find victory in Jesus. None. We are wasting our time. We are doing a religious act that means nothing unless we come into communion and we come into real relationship with Jesus and we find the victory that he paid for on Calvary. Amen? First time he blood was this, was in the garden. Luke chapter 22, verse 44. And being in agony, why was Jesus in agony? Could you imagine knowing what the next day held for you? I'm so thankful that I don't know tomorrow. I know there's a bunch of us that would love to know tomorrow because we're control freaks, okay? And I get that. But Jesus understands what he's about to go through. And he is in deep agony, deeply distressed, anguished, almost to the point of death. He prayed more intensely and his sweat became drops of blood falling to the ground. So the first time Jesus bled was in the garden. And he bled for what? For your emotions, for our emotions. Last, uh, last March, I had the spirit of fear come on me like I've never had in my life. I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack before or a moment where just anxiety cripples you. This is where I was at. I was shaking through the night sweating through the night, things that I had never felt, never gone through in my entire life. And um, I have some wonderful, wonderful friends. Um, Dr. Mike is actually in the house today. I was so thankful for uh, his wisdom. And um, It meant so much to me. 
And I also have this um, wonderful counselor. She loves Jesus. She's full of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so um, I got on a FaceTime with her and um, she said, we got to figure out what is the root of the fear? Because fear is only a lie. Amen? Okay? It's, it's a lie. Okay? The devil can only lie. That's all he can do. So he will craft lies designed for you to get you into fear. Right? And so she said, we got to figure out the root. And she said, we need to ask the Lord what the lie is. And so I just said, Lord, I said, Lord, what is the lie that I'm believing? And the Lord just said to me, he said, you believe that you're going to die at a young age and leave your boys left alone, just like you were left alone growing up. And she said, okay, let's ask the Lord, where was the first time fear was introduced in your life? I was right here in this room. Just, you know, I'm like FaceTiming, walking. I said, Lord, where was the first time fear came into my life? And he brought me back to when I was 10. My, uh, my grandfather that was like my dad, my dad left when I was young. My grandfather was my dad. And he had just got diagnosed with cancer. And um, I remember I was 10 and my uncle picked me up for basketball practice and we were leaving our neighborhood. And I remember watching an ambulance come into our neighborhood and I thought to myself, is it for him? And it was the first time that fear gripped my heart. And she said, well, let's ask the Lord where he was in that moment. And so I said, Lord, because can I just say this? Good, good counselors will always point you back to Jesus. Always back to Jesus. And so I said, Jesus, where were you? And he said, I was in the car with you. And I said, Lord, what do you say about this moment? He said, what I say about this moment is this. Your dad left, your grandfather came home to be with me, but then I became your father and I've watched over you and protected you and taken care of you every moment of your life since. And I just like, I just hit the ground and the presence of God just washed over me and I could feel him strengthening my emotions, healing that wound, healing that moment from my past. Listen, emotions are real and God understands them. But God desires for you to find health and life and victory in your emotions. And that was why he bled in the garden. The second time he bled was at Caiaphas' house. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6. I offer my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. 
I did not hide my face. Isaiah 52, verse 14 says this, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. Why was Jesus' beard ripped out and his face beaten? It was so that we could be transformed into the image of Christ Jesus. Let me share this awesome verse with you. Romans chapter eight, verse one. Therefore, now there is no condemnation, no guilt, no verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news today? There's no punishment for you. It all went on Jesus. Verse two. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of new beginnings has set you free from the law of sin and death. I've learned through the years, the more time I spend with Jesus, the more I look like Jesus. That's why I say I'm always going to be better at 70. Because I'm going to have years and years of spending time in the presence of God. And as I spend time in his presence, I become more and more like him. Transformed into his glorious image. Number three is this. When they took the crown of thorns and put it into his head. Matthew chapter 27, verse 29. And they braided a crown of thorns and forced it, shoved it into his head. After placing a reed staff in his right hand, they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail to the king of the Jews. And they spat on his face. And they took the reed staff from his hand and repeatedly hit his head, driving the crown of thorns deeper. Jesus bled from his head for what? The healing of your mind. Um, over the course of my life, I've had five different pastors, not people, not individuals, five different pastors tell me, you will never pastor your own church. You're not smart enough. I had one pastor, I was young, I spoke in the main service. You ready to speak this summer? Come on, son, you're gonna do a great job. But I probably didn't do the best job. I was probably 23 or so. And uh, he told me, he said, you're the worst speaker I've ever seen. You should never speak again. The question is this. Who has spoken lies over you? Right? See, Jesus bled so that you could have his thoughts. Because you have to think as he thinks. You have to see your life as he sees your life. Because he sees your life in more. Whatever you're at right now, wherever place you're at right now in life, he wants more. He wants to do more. You, you heard it when I was prophesying over these two. The Lord is always going, I have more, I have better, and I need to get your mind in line with how I think and how I see you. Now you see yourself. The fourth time Jesus bled was when they whipped his back. Whew. Whew. Isaiah 53, verse 5. 
but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our weakness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required fell on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. When, um, when I was back to, again, back when I was like 10, uh, we brought my grandfather to the front of the stage one Sunday and we anointed him and we prayed and the elders prayed and the church prayed. And then about uh, a year later, on my 11th birthday, he passed away and went to be at home with the Lord. And I remember thinking to myself, at his funeral, God doesn't heal. And I believed it for a very long time. Very long time. And then um, in my early 20s, I was having dinner with my mom. And uh, we were talking about him. And I said, you know, the Lord just doesn't, he doesn't heal. And she looked at me and she said, Jeffrey? And none of you get to call me Jeffrey, okay? Nobody, okay? She said, Jeffrey, Jesus heals. I said, well, why didn't he heal Irv, my grandpa? He said, he saw heaven. He saw Jesus. I've been in hospital rooms and I know when somebody's seen Jesus. It doesn't matter what I pray. Once you see Jesus, this world is nothing. All you want to do is be with him. She said, he saw Jesus. And the Lord started to heal my heart as it pertained to healing. And I was a young youth pastor and um, it was after service one Sunday and this this gentleman came up to the front and he said, I have stage four cancer and I have two weeks to live. I need a miracle. And I thought to myself, okay, we got to find a real pastor, okay? I'm a youth pastor, okay? I am not equipped to handle this moment. Let's find somebody else. And he looked at me, he said, the Lord told me to come to you. And I was like, "Woo! I don't know if I believe that. I remember I looked into his eyes and I said, do you believe that Jesus can heal you? And he said, I 100% believe Jesus can heal you. And I said, well, I believe that the word says when two agree on anything. The word says, it shall be done for them. So I said, I'm going to hook my faith up with your faith, and we're going we're gonna to pray. And I, and I grabbed his hands, and I just prayed a simple prayer. I just said, Lord, I love you. I thank you that by your stripes we are healed. I speak to the cancer in his body. I speak to this plague. I speak to this disease, and I tell it to go in Jesus' name. Amen. And um. 
It was about four weeks later. I, to be honest, forgot about that moment. He finds me at church. And I'm like, yes, you're alive. Praise God. I didn't fail, you know? And he said to me, he said, you know, um, I went back to the doctor and we've done CAT scans and we've done all kinds of tests. And he said, they can't find a trace of cancer in my body. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Listen, Jesus paid such a wonderful price. They tore his back to shreds. They had whips with metal balls and nails and they ripped the flesh off of his body. He bore your sickness, all disease. Why are we open? Why is Elevate Church open the way we are? Because we believe that Jesus is a healer. And our life is in him. Number five, Jesus bled when they nailed his precious hands to the cross. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21. For God made Christ, who has never sinned, to be an offering of sin so that we may be right through God in Christ Jesus. This perhaps is probably the best verse in the entire New Testament. I mean, Jesus gave his hands so that we could be made right. Isn't that great news? You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Jesus paid such a wonderful price so that you could stand here today being called right in God's sight. Amen? Sixth time Jesus' blood was when they nailed his feet. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. But if we freely admit our sin when his light uncovers it, I love that the light of Jesus Christ isn't there to condemn us. Okay, it's there to bring us into victory. Okay, like I love when God shows me when I'm not a good father. It's not to tell me I'm not a good father. I'm a good father because Christ makes me a good father. It just shows me so that I can be a better father, right? So the light reveals things. And then it says this, Jesus will be faithful to forgive Every time. I love that even though I fail and I fail at the same thing over and over and over again, he knows my heart and my heart is his. And I'm thankful for his grace that covers it. And God will be just to forgive our sins because of Jesus Christ. He will continue to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I love that Jesus knew that his feet had to be nailed and they bled for what? For your walk with him. He knew that you're a human, that I'm a human. He knew that you were going to fail. And he knew that you and I, we were going to need help. We need help to walk this thing out with the Lord. Like, 
I get this idea of like giving your life to Jesus at this one moment, but that's not the end of the story. The story doesn't end there. The story continues to grow as you walk and as you follow Jesus. He bled from his feet to help you on those days where you do make mistakes, where you do fall. Number seven, the seventh time that Jesus' blood is when they pierced his side. Worship team, you guys can come on up. John chapter, five, John chapter three, verse five, Jesus answered them, I speak to you in eternal truth. Unless you are born of water and the spirit, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Listen, let me make this abundantly clear. There is only one way to heaven. There is one God. His name is Jesus Christ. He loved you so dearly that he gave his life for you so that you could find him, know him, be in relationship with him, find victory in him, find hope in him, find joy in him, find grace in him, find peace in him so that you could have eternal life with him. And his side was pierced because you had to be born of a natural birth, but you also had to be born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. See, the blood had to pay the price. There's a price. There's a price, a weighty price for our sin. There's a weighty price for when we make mistakes. In the Old Testament, they would, you know, they would kill a sheep or, and they would pour out the blood. But Jesus said, I'm going to do something better. I'm going to come as a man and I'm going to live as a man. I'm going to know everything that you go through, your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, your troubles, your tribulations temptations, and I'm going to live as a man, but I'm going to live as a perfect man, and then I'm not going to have somebody take my life. I'm going to give it because I love these people, and I want them to know me. Like, Jesus is so not interested in religion. He's so not interested in you just knowing him from Sunday to Sunday. He wants to do life with you. He wants to live in your Monday and your Thursday. And he wants you to know and experience his grace and his love and his wonder. See, when we understand what Jesus did for us, the Lord's Supper is so incredibly different. Now, it's not something that we just religiously do. It's something that we go, wow, Jesus paid such a high price so that I could live in the victory that he paid for on Calvary and that I can have life. Jesus said this, he said, you're going to drink my blood and eat my flesh if you're my followers. He wasn't being weird. 
He was talking about the life that we would receive when we would take communion. Jesus said, didn't think, he said, don't think about communion. He said, what? Do this, right? He said, do this in remembrance of me. Because when we do this, it releases the kingdom of heaven into our lives. And when the kingdom of heaven comes, it comes to do what? To heal our bodies. Amen? It comes to heal our minds. It comes to heal the brokenness in our hearts. It comes to heal the trauma of our past. It comes to give us strength and life and to lead us into victory and to hope so that we can live in 2021, the craziness of 2021, and we can still be full of joy. Amen? That we can have hope. That we can have life. That we can share with somebody else that is depressed and lonely and sad and feeling like the world has gone crazy. And go, you know what? Everything's all right. Everything's fine. Because I know Jesus. And I want to show you Jesus. And I want to give you Jesus. Because he paid such a great price for your life. Amen? Under your seat is a communion cup. Why don't you grab that cup? Thanks. We're going to take communion together. Why don't you stand up this morning? Adam, can you move my you to take the bread I want you to break it Jesus broke the bread because his body was broken for you come on close your eyes I want you to think about Jesus this morning I want you to think about his great love and the sacrifice he made for you Come on, just worship him. Let worship come out of your heart right now. Oh, Jesus. take for granted the wonderful price you paid for me. I love you, Jesus. And I worship you and you alone. Go ahead and take the bread.
Lord, we love you. We thank you for your blood. We thank you that every time you shed your blood, those seven times, it was to heal our emotions and our mind, heal us from sin, guilt, and shame, heal our physical bodies. Father, we thank you for it. Lord, as we receive you into our bodies, I speak to all sickness, disease, infirmity. I speak to any plague, pain in anybody's body. And we command you to go in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask that the life-giving power of Jesus Christ, the power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father, would flow into our mortal bodies, strengthening and bringing death to the sickness and plagues. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you that by your blood, we have been cleansed, made right. We love you. We receive you now in Jesus' name. Come on, raise your hands to heaven. Worship Jesus the King. Come on, just worship Jesus the King. Give him thanks. Put praise on your lips. Jesus, we worship you. We praise you, Jesus. We glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, let's worship the Lord together.